0: Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to Janice Folk Dawson, who's the Executive Vice President of the Ontario Federation of Labor, and Juanita Burnett, a local labor activist and a sometimes Communist Party candidate. This weekend is Labor Day, and boy, is there a lot of labor activity out there these days. The Canadian Media Guild workers at TVO went out on strike last week, and they join a variety of other workers in both the public and private sectors, like the employees at Toronto-area metro grocery stores, who are still on the picket lines, and the municipal workers in Cochrane, Ontario, who have been out since July. This is on top of strikes with national consequences this year, like the one that affected Vancouver ports earlier this summer, or the one that slowed down the processing of tax returns in Ottawa this past spring. Our podcast this week is not necessarily about any of those strikes, but it is about someone who's no longer here to support them. Someone in our community who held deeply the cause of advocating for workers' rights. And that is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Go down to Goldie Mill Park, the unofficial home and rallying point for local labor here in Guelph, and you may stumble upon a little red box in the ground. On one side it says Guelph Soap Company Crystal Soap Chips, which might sound like a real thing that existed in, say, the 1910s, but it's not. On the side, though, there is a dedication. Friends of Alan Pickersgill created this piece in honor of all that Alan stood for. Equity and inclusiveness, environmentalism, nonviolence, social justice, public education, universal health care and socialized medicine, workplace health and safety, public libraries. That's a lot. But then again, Alan Pickersgill was a lot. He was a millwright by vocation, but he was always an activist at heart. He cranked out columns for the newspaper, and he stuck a finger in the eye of the establishment, whoever they may be. He even ran for office a couple of times. He left a big mark in Guelph, so it might seem a little weird that this public memorial is a small red and silver box named after a fake soap company, but that's the point. In ye olden days, one used a soap box, a sturdy wood box used to transport dry goods like soap, that would give the speaker a little more height when speaking publicly. As Alan's box says, to get up on your soapbox is to engage in impromptu or non-official public speaking. For 150 years, London's Hyde Park has had Speaker's Corner, no relation to the old camera booth at Queen and John in Toronto, but it's a spot that has invited people to get on their soapbox every Sunday. So maybe we can do the same thing here in Guelph now. But first, on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast, we're going to talk about how Alan's soapbox became a thing, and that's where Janice Folk-Dawson and Juanita Burnett come in. They're going to tell us about how the soapbox project came together, what made Goldie Mill Park a good location for it, and the practical considerations like finding an artist to bring it to life and confirming that location. We will also talk about memories of Alan, what he might think of his soapbox memorial, and whether or not there are any genuine characters in Guelph that might follow in his example. And finally, we will talk about the current state of labor here in Guelph and beyond, plus what the future of Alan's box might look like. So I caught up with Janice Folk-Dawson and Juanita Burnett a couple of weeks ago via Zoom. Okay, so I am now being joined by Janice Folk-Dawson. Hi, Janice. Hi, great to be here, Adam. And I'm also being joined by Juanita Burnett. Hi, Juanita.
1: Hi, Adam. Great to be here and see your face.
0: (laughs) And of course, Juanita and Janice are both returning champions on the podcast. So uh, I thought I'd mention that right off the top. But um, since we're here to talk about Alan... Um, I thought I'd just start off by asking both of you about, um, I guess just sort of like generally, like when you think about Alan, what do you think about Juanita? I'll start with you since you're on my screen right now.
1: Okay. Um, I guess I think of Alan as a comrade to start. Um, he was a member of the communist party, but even when he left for the NDP, he, um, was pretty solid about the political ideas that were there. And I really loved that. Um, I actually met him when I was with the NDP, so it goes back a long way. I think we had a mutual respect for each other. Um, I'm also a big book Addict. So, his <laughs> support of the library, I I'm solidly behind that, and it's really exciting that the library, the new library downtown, is actually happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Janice, how about you?
2: So, my uh, history with uh, Alan goes back a long way. Alan was the uh, first president of Local 1334 at the University of is Actually involved. Mm. Uh, In the organizing of that, right? And so I had the very great privilege of following in Alan's footsteps and becoming the president. But Alan was Alan and his brother Ed. Were some of the first people I met when I came to uh, came to Guelph, and Alan, right from the very beginning, like took me under his wing. Uh, he was obviously, you know, always a community warrior and protector of people in the community, and helped people figure out what their role was uh, in the community. And when I first became involved with Labor Council, it was Alan who mentored me through because he had such a strong uh, health and safety. Uh, background, and that's where my background uh, comes from also. So um, for me, you know, Alan's a health and safety champion, uh, I am the person that I am uh, because Alan pointed out to me uh, the skills and the talents that I had, that it was my responsibility to contribute to the community, uh, and I think that that's what, uh, when I think about Alan, I think about all of the people uh, that he uh, mentored, and I want to say actually femtored because um, <laughs> you know, there's not many men I give that, that, uh, uh, that, that comment to, but definitely Uh, Alan was one of those individuals.
0: Mm -hmm. So the idea for a soapbox then as as kind of like a a tribute to Alan and maybe Janice, you can start off by talking about how that idea started coming about.
2: Yeah, it was. um, I I think uh, I was, you know, we knew Alan was not well, um, but it was still such a, a dramatic uh, when Alan passed it was such a uh, for me it was such a oh right like an, an oh moment uh, and immediately trying to think of a way a, and a, a way to mark what Alan actually meant in the community and somehow the bench that we all seem to be putting in although you know it's lovely to sit on benches and, and do whatever. <laughs> Um, I thought Alan would want us to do something something more and, and I thought, um, when I thought about the soapbox and I thought about what is it that Alan really wanted um, to contribute and what he really wanted to do was to give space to other people um, to raise their voices and give the skills to other people to raise their voices. And so the idea of a soapbox came to mind and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to you know, have a, a soapbox, an interactive soapbox? Uh, and wouldn't it be great to put it in the park, like Goldie Mills Park, where we we put in the ginkgo trees where we have put in a bench um, mm-hmm. already, and make it so that it was something usable um, in our community. Right. I get I when I thought about Alan, I thought that if we were to mark Alan, it had to be more than just a monument. It had to be something that contributed um, to the community and some place that created a space. Uh, For people, because that's what Alan always did. Right. Created that space for people to be able to do it. And so a soapbox seemed like a a perfect um, idea and sort of bringing some of labor's history and some of, you know, we've been pretty silenced uh, lately Mm -hmm. in our communities. Right. There isn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I grew up with um, uh, uh, what was the the radio that you could do, the soapbox, the corner, the street, the speaker's corner,
0: speaker's corner. Yeah
2: right? Like kids these days don't know anything about that, right? Um, And it was actually quite interesting too when, uh, and Anita can probably talk about this too, when we went looking for an artist to create the soapbox, we encountered folks who were not from a British colonial background, who Mm -hmm. didn't really understand what soapbox was. And Mm -hmm. younger folks did not understand like soapbox. What do you want to make a soapbox for? Um, (laughs) I didn't realize it, but I I mean, part of, I think when I was thinking about a different way of recognizing it, it was the importance of creating an interactive piece of art in our community that people could raise their voices at.
0: Well, Juanita Janice teed you up because you know, following from the idea is, is how you bring it to life. So how did this in terms of how you intersect and how you got involved, and 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 you know that that process of trying to bring the the soapbox to life. Can you talk about that?
1: Uh hmm. sure. Um, I think the four, the five of us. I guess Laura was involved in the beginning as well. When we were first talking about it, we all had some idea of a soapbox, but it was really interesting to. Talk to Bonnie Dirtnell, who's written about a lot of um, labor issues in Guelph, and um, to talk, you know, get in deep about the soapbox. And I will just say now to get it out of the way before I forget (laughs) um, the, the Guelph, the crystal soap that is on the actual soapbox is creative license. It was not something in bonnie's research so Mm -hmm. (laughs) that wasn't on her that it is not necessarily tied to the guelph soap company right Um, but it was really really exciting to learn more about that it was neat to reach out to artists um i think we've got a lot of connections um over the years and we didn't know the artists that we talked to but we had friends that knew them and Mm when dave heim was talking to us uh he was i think he really got the idea that we were trying to come up with and i'm not sure he knew a lot about soapboxes at the time but he learned and did such an incredible job that i really love that
0: um i mean to to the credit to, to his credit i mean it, it does look like it was in somebody's basement somewhere. This box from the Quell Soap mm-hmm. Company, and and it it's been planted in the ground at at Goldie Mill Park. Uh, so I mean, the the creative license is uh, is I think well earned. <laughs> um Absolutely. In in terms of the placement, and Janet, since you're on the screen, I'll I'll turn to you. Like what I found interesting going down there, um, you know, coming from. Juanita well, and i were talking about this before we started recording but you know there's, there's construction on cardigan street as we're recording and so th- the way to get down there right now is like london road and you come down that hill and you see you see the box right away it's like in the big open part of the of the park and it's just sitting there on i think it's on the other side of the tracks that that go past the park and it's like it, it feels very much Like there's a very conscious place as you're going down the hill and you walk into the park and you see, oh, what's this box? Yeah. Am I am I am I close there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it was uh, we wanted to so we wanted it in the park um, and we wanted it to be usable. And we thought about so we actually went down and um, the five of us wandered around the park. Uh, And just thought about it. So, you know, we've slowly been, I don't know if everybody notices, but we've slowly been, you know, making that park, I'd like to call it workers' park. Mm. Um, And we started, if you know, the bench uh, when I first started as Labour Council president. I didn't know that there was a whole process. And we did. We managed to get a bench in in a month, right? Because we just went through with it, right? And then we planted the ginkgo trees. And every day we have our, every year we have our day of mourning there. And so slowly we, right? So we wanted to put it in, in a place where it could be usable during gatherings at that park. And so thought about where would that be? Didn't want to interfere with the daily use of the park, right? So wanted to leave an open space sort of in the middle so that if people wanted to picnic there or do whatever, they could do it. Loved the backdrop of the river in the backdrop, that that would Mm -hmm. be what would be behind you and the way that you could step up. And the way that there's sort of that rolling natural hill there anyways seemed like a perfect placement. And then we sat on the bench, that is there. And so the bench would you would be looking so people who needed to sit could sit enough of a gathering space for people to do. And then the way the rock went in for the step. Uh, to help folks up onto it um, was absolutely perfect. But it is like when I come around and I see it sitting there, I think that it's absolutely like in in a perfect space, right? Um, and one of the things that um, we learned, part of the reason why we had to do that is because we had to present it. Um, this was a really good lesson for labor is to learn how labor can donate art mm-hmm which makes a big statement in our community, right? And so for me, that was the biggest part. And it was like Alan was teaching us, right? Like I kind Mm. of felt, felt that, you know, Alan was teaching us all the way along and he would have been really proud of the work that we did to make that happen and to make sure that other people understand that we have the ability to do that. So part of the reason that we had to go and do that was we had to describe to them where and why we wanted it placed. We had to basically, you know, advocate for that spot of why we wanted it um, to be that spot. And so I think that that I'm appreciative of now because that did make us think about all of those things about the placement of it and how important it is. And it's a really valuable lesson. You know, now we know that there's a piece of public art there, Allen and soapbox history will be there. And because labor put it there, the city will now take care of it.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
2: It becomes part of the city's expression of itself. Right. Which I think is absolutely incredible.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, Juanita, was there anything particular you took away from the process and helping to organize this? And I got uh, like anything Alan's box taught you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was great to work with the city workers as well. And they came out to check our spot, um, to check that we weren't interrupting the roots of the trees along there. Mm. And so we did adjust it slightly making sure that we followed all the rules about that uh which was really helpful Mm. Uh, i will say we also had a lot of discussion about um safety (laughs) (laughs) so we were talking about the idea of maybe do we need a railing for that Uh, do we need a separate thing that talks about alan and what the soapbox is and I'm really happy that we, um, that we were able to incorporate all that stuff in the soapbox itself. So on the one side, there's information about Alan, on the other, there's about the soapbox. Um, and there's even a, a URL link to uh, Bonnie Dirtnell's article about the soapbox. Mm-hmm. And I really love that about it. Um but yeah we were we realized that a railing might get in the way and so the the rock step at the back seems to work really well and especially with it being on a bit of a mound right. um, it worked well it it doesn't disrupt the park and yeah that was really interesting for me
0: yeah, no, it's it's very subtle. It's you notice it, but um it also could just be like part of the the landscape there. Um Janice, what do you think Alan would think? I mean, you, 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 we're talking about how Alan is as a, a as a activist was very much involved in sort of raising people up. Um given the, the subtlety of the tribute, uh, I mean, how would you think Alan would feel about it? Would he feel that's a, appropriate? <laughs>
2: Um, I, I he would be, you know, gruffy wouldn't have wanted us to do it, right? He would have, you know, um, a bucket of chicken would have been fine, Janice, right? But um, I think that what he would, I think he would have, I hope he recognizes that the creativity of it is because we knew him right? it is, And it is a really good representation of him. And it's because Alan pulled the best out in all of us and made us think, when we brainstorm and think, Alan is the one who made us think big Mm -hmm. and try to figure out how to do it, right? So, I think Alan, you know, in one way, he'd be, like, (laughs) bashful about, you know, accepting it. But I think he would think, yeah, job done that he had definitely impacted us in, in a way that means that our community moves forward.
0: Juanita, I do you think have any- that's
2: the biggest tribute we can give to Alan, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, Juanita, do you have anything you want to add?
1: I really love that Lynn and the family are really appreciating um, the the piece, but also the thought behind it. Mm. And I love that there is a place where, you know, family and friends can go and feel like they're with him when they're down there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Just casually walking by or especially on um, days like the day of mourning or Mm. whatever else we might start to do more down there
0: yeah and alan has a lot of friends in guelph and i I mean for me personally the i didn't know him very well i knew him mostly through his columns but um you you know there's something i find i I find it ties into a lot of ways like this humility you're talking about the the whole soapbox aspect and the, the the historical significance of the soapbox but also just sort of I hate to say it but sort of how he died and, and when he died like he died in I think correct me if I'm wrong but it was like winter 2021 it was like January February and yeah. I mean and that was still like pandemic we're kind of lockdown
2: yeah. we weren't times. allowed to go and see him in hospice we weren't yeah. allowed to right it was even Lynn had limited access right and yeah. it was horrible right
0: yeah it just you know he, he kind of just sort of like faded away and you know, we now we now there's this like little tribute, which you know, even he think would think would be too much of a tribute. Um And uh, I don't know what I don't know what the, the the great cosmic message is that, but it 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 seems it feels right to me is is what I'm what I think. I don't know. If...
2: Well, for me, the first picture that I saw after it got put in and before we actually had the ceremony, uh Terry O'Connor was walking through the park, mm. and there was a child up on the soapbox speaking <laughs> and Terry took a picture oh. and I thought like it, I actually cried right because I thought that was exactly what Alan would have wanted to happen and the fact that the first official person was a, uh, uh, was a child was see our communities on the way right like it's we, we've given a space.
0: But it's so weird you should say that, right? Because we're talking about like people don't know what the, fun- the like the the classic function of the soapbox is. But it, like, here's a child, sort of like instinctively getting on they the figured soapbox. Figured
2: it out, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? That's I funny.
0: Had with
2: that, but that's a good point, right? It like it didn't matter. like the history continues just by osmosis, right? You put the box mm-hmm. there, build it, and they will come. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> um. The other thing about Alan, uh, and, you know, you either of you can correct me if you think I'm off, but, you know, there aren't many sort of, like, wealth characters like Alan anymore. Like, just, you know, th- there was something, like, in the water, um, I guess in, like, the 60s and 70s here that created, like, people like Alan, that create people like Terry, like Edward Pickersgill, Alan's yeah. brother, too, that, you know, there's a certain alchemy that, um, you that know.
2: That group of folks, yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean that's yeah. i don't know what else to add to that but it just it just it, he he was like kind of one of a kind kind of character who could you know wa- walk in all the worlds and you know you know i i feel like maybe there's a maybe this is speaking to a bit of the tribalism of our times but alan could write in the mercury Uh, or in the guelph tribune but he could also like hang out with the workers and and and, you know stand in a picket line and and fight the good fight and you know talk talk a good game about you know workers rights and i don't don't know what else i can add
2: Because he was a worker and recognized Mm -hmm. working class all the way through, right? And there there wasn't a divide. Um, And I think that Alan, for me, is, I mean, I have the privilege of working in the labor movement. um, And so for me, a lot of times, it doesn't seem like work, right? It's like Mm. passion. It's like a, a lifestyle. And for me, that was Alan, like Alan's work was his lifestyle right? It wasn't, you know, a separate nine to five sort of job, and you put it away. It was Alan's lifestyle, and and he and he, you know, gave credence to all of the different aspects of the work that he did, whether it was writing, whether it was health and safety advocacy, whether it was community on the street support. All of that work was given uh, credence and credibility, and it was his life, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: passion. Right. One of the things I love about Guelph is something I also love about Alan. And (laughs) talking here, it reminds me of that that so many of the different communities are connected in Guelph, unlike any place I've lived. Um. So you know, there are people who know him through darts. There are people (laughs) who know him through photography. There are people who know him uh through political stuff and all of the above so i and i like the idea that the soapbox is there for all of the people
0: Mm -hmm. in terms of like sort of we've talked a bit about where we see the i guess the functionality of the box um in in terms of like events you know at goldie mill park things like the day of mourning but in terms of just, you know, I, I guess, is is the point, like, to, to draw attention to it, like, here is a marker for someone who spoke well and spoke dedicatedly to local issues, especially, you know, poverty, labor, and all that, or is the point, like, we've set this up in the park, yeah, it has a function for events, but it's also sort of, like, yours to discover, like, to t- to borrow a phrase, you know, to, 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 you know, to stumble across as you're just sort of walking along the, the the Canada trail or, you know, the, just taking a walk in the park and, you know, exploring Guelph and, you know, you stumble across this thing and you learn about this crazy Guelph character named Alan Pickersgill. Um, I I guess, how, how do we see that? Is this tribute or is this kind of like trivia, I guess, to, to, to put it kind of bluntly? <laughs> Maybe Juanita you have some thoughts about that first
1: uh, Yes to all of that I think
0: <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough.
1: I I guess that's another thing that I notice in Guelph a lot is there are random art pieces all over the all over the town. Um, right. there's there's a really neat yard close to my house where someone has carved wood carving carvings so there's like an owl and a face and if you look around you see things that surprise and um you can enjoy and learn things as well so hmm. i think it you know it's it suits a tribute to Alan, but it also suits
0: Guelph. Well. Right. Just sort of a found thing. Janice, anything you want to add?
1: Well,
2: and I do think I'm first and foremost, I think that it is a tribute to Alan and to, uh, you know, the community uh, that Alan comes from. Um, but I think that, you know, one of the things that it does is and Alan for me is a facilitator. Right, mm. Alan facilitated discussions, education, whatever. And so for me, the soapbox is like Alan facilitating those that you know don't know about it. All of a sudden, there's a bit of education, a teachable moment happens, mm. uh, an interactive moment happens, right? Um, so I think it's part of the tribute, the fact that it is um, this. It is, you know, for folks and I've I've heard from family members, and I know as a friend, I've been down there a couple of times and sat on the box and had a conversation. <laughs> I know some folks have been down there and had a drink down there to Alan. <laughs> um, and then there's times <sighs> when there's gonna be folks for the first time finding out about soapboxes, right? So I think that Alan has facilitated, um, and this tribute facilitates all of that happening at this one little space, right? Mm. Um, With Alan in the background, right? And hopefully, you know, somebody wants to become an Alan, right? Of, you know, children. that's what I want to do, right? Um, Because it gives credence to work that is not the typical work, like being a writer,
0: right? Right.
2: Doing this poverty work, it it, it exposes to folks that there are different ways to make a living, right? Than the typical typical
0: nine to five job that's an interesting point uh i i do want to squeeze in a little commentary about uh typical jobs and and the the labor movement itself and janice a little while ago you talked about how it felt like labor was kind of being silenced right now um i've kind of felt like it's the opposite i feel like this this has been the last couple of years it's sort of been a rare moment for labor where there's like real momentum behind the the movement or they're talking about teachers and i know you've been out for, I, would, I would say
2: a rare moment for workers not yeah. so much for union leaders okay <laughs> um, fair and, enough <laughs> um i am actually absolutely, absolutely and i've been on picket lines for the last couple of weeks i've been like with uh, all around um uh, and definitely workers are rising and workers are not being silenced and that's why i'm glad there's soapboxes You know, you're not going to find a lot of union leaders on that soapbox, but you're going to find a lot of workers on that soapbox. Right. Uh, Really impressed and really impressed. And, you know, uh, 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 and when Nita knows me, we go back a long way. I have said, you know, it's when workers defy the union leadership that we will actually start to move forward. And so, you know, I don't know that I want to paint it in such a bad light as defying with rejecting Mm. of the uh, collective agreements that are happening. But I think that it's workers sending a very clear message to the union leadership that you need to catch up with us. We are far ahead of you. Um, and it's probably because um, we're losing a lot more than you. Right. Um, and that the fact that we have workers, uh, you know, that are uh, working at Metro that can't afford to shop at Metro. Uh, right. The fact that we have, you know, steel rail car where there's been that number of deaths and they can't negotiate a collective agreement where they get safe working conditions and the wages that they deserve. Um, like labor is rising across this province and we still have a premier who is totally ignoring uh, what's happening uh to workers totally ignoring the you know the the number of injuries and deaths that are happening uh in this province um i think workers are rising i think unions are now going to uh have to catch up uh and i hope that uh we don't slow down uh the workers and their movement um because as you know i said before the one thing i learned uh in the fall from the school board strike is no union leader can call the general strike It is workers who will decide, uh, when that they are going to take to the, when and what they're going to take to the streets for. And they're demonstrating that right now. And Mm now it's the union leadership into the labor movement to have their backs and to protect them and to allow them to be out there for as long as it takes until they get the settlement that they deserve.
0: No, I, that, that that's an interesting distinction but I think that's right is the, we saw that with the dock workers strike with you yeah. know the, the 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 union reaches a deal and the work they take it to the workers to ratify and the workers are like we don't want this deal and uh the strike keeps going Juanita for people who don't know you work at the University of Guelph library um a lot of you know you have to sort of be watching the social threads to <laughs> to sort of catch it but there is a lot of labor strife on campus right now and it's not just you know the the grunts like you who are putting the books back in the stacks but it's like the faculty like the U of G pros like there's a real undercurrent up there on campus of of like real genuine gruntlement with the administration
1: yeah I think one of the things the pandemic did apart from you know making us all isolate and um panic uh I think so many people are reassessing their lives in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, the pandemic affected the university financially, Mm. but the workers are also affected financially. And so there's, it's going to be interesting, I think, um, to look at universities across, across the province, across the country um when people reassess their lives they want to make what they do better and they don't want to do what doesn't serve them so i think right it it yeah it'll be interesting
0: and the other thing i wanted to tap in to, to you especially Juanita, since you uh do occasionally put your name on a ballot as the the local communist party candidate is that i i feel like people may never on mass, put an X next to the name of, of a communist candidate. But there are ideas there that I think a lot of people want to reconsider that things like living wage, that's got a lot of momentum. Now things like making sure everybody has somewhere to live. They can afford making sure as, as Janice was, you know, indicating that workers have respect, have a pay are safe at work, have the training they need. Um, People may not want to use the the c word, but uh, a lot of people like like the sound of that, right?
1: Absolutely, and I'll say the last time I ran in an election, it was really fun to hear um, Mike the Green <laughs> the Green Party <laughs> candidate talking about how we need people to put people before profits, and he you literally
0: know. stole the line.
1: <laughs> he stole the line because it's an important line. It's an important message that everybody needs is starting to really connect with.
0: Mm-hmm. And Janice, and maybe to wrap up, I feel like, you know, talking about a lot of this momentum uh, in terms of labor, um, a lot of this being worker driven, not necessarily government driven union leadership driven. How do you capitalize on this i mean how do you and i'm, I'm asking you perhaps to in, in inside your role as uh, with the ontario federation of labor but you know how do you keep keep this going and and you know as, as we're kind of rolling to labor day as we're recording how do we you know keep i, I guess how do we keep the the workers' demands front and center and, and sort of not settle just for going back to normal. Because I think as Juanita was saying, like a, there's been there's been real momentum. Um, like these issues didn't just pop out of the ground during 2020 and 2021. It's it was there in the teens and the aughts and the nineties even. You know, it just feels like there's a moment here that can really be capitalized on.
2: It's a moment that has to be capitalized on, right? Because the fact is that uh, workers are not are not are not able to make ends meet right For, right and it is when you look around at every community in this province the number of encampments we have the number of people that are accessing food banks and those are not people that are are many of those folks are actually working or trying mm. to work jobs, right
0: that's right
2: um, so it has to be so what has to happen is that the labor movement in particular and unions in particular that have the resources uh and the capability we need to be supporting each one of those pick lines we need to get away from unions criticizing and us criticizing when other workers go on strike whatever their issue is we don't walk in their shoes we don't pay their bills on a monthly basis when they democratically decide what is their reason for going out and mostly the reason that I've seen is that they're not having wages that keep up with inflation and the working conditions are dangerous to them and to their families right so those two things are obviously things that we can all absolutely support but we need to be out there in full force uh, on those picket lines and unions need to be there not only with finances resources to be able to support those strikers while they're out there we need to be out there in huge numbers so that the employer that that, that local is taking on that that union is taking on recognizes that that union is not standing alone and every other employer recognizes that that un- that their workers are not going to stand alone Right now, I'm hoping that Zares and the other grocery stores are watching exactly what's happening with mm. those grocery workers and understand they need to negotiate a fair deal or they're going to be in the same boat. And all that's happening as these employers are ignoring that is that the movement is building and building. I'm out on these picket lines. I've been up at Bradford with the library workers, which is absolutely shameful. A city a council not giving a dollar thirty-five to the library worker. You know, the the keepers of their community, uh, uh, that public service that's so needed, uh, particularly during the summertime. I mean, I can kind of get corporations and their greed. Not that I get it. I mean, you, you, you can put it in place. What the hell is a city council doing attacking library workers and their collective agreement, a first collective agreement? out there on the streets, the community is behind them. Everybody, everybody gets it except these employers and this government. So what our responsibility is is these workers are, you know, keeping our economy going, keeping our communities going. We have to keep their backs safe. And we have to be out there and we have to be demanding and walking the line with them. And then I will move towards September 25th is the day the legislature returns. Mm-hmm. There is going to be a huge rally by the Ontario Health Coalition. And we want labor. I know we're going to be taking all the labor councils in this province there to the legislature on the day of return. We need to make sure that this conservative government understands on that day that, A, what the hell were they doing during the summer? Why were they off on a break when we are in the you know economic a situation that we are in right now the health and safety situation that they are in right now but they're coming back and they're coming back and they have to face us and they're going to have to face us on a daily basis
0: and that listeners is how you get up on a soapbox <laughs> <laughs> i could follow up but i i want to leave it there because i i i am visioning you on a soapbox even though i know you're in your office right now but Uh, So Janice Folk-Dawson and Juanita Burnett, thank you so much for your time today and uh, thank you for the soapbox. I think it's a real treat for the city.
2: Thank you, Adam. It was great to be here. Lovely to chat with you. Yeah,
1: thank you.
0: And once again, that was Janice Folk-Dawson and Juanita Burnett. Alan's soapbox can be found at Goldie Mill Park by the river at the bottom of London Road. There doesn't seem to be any local plans to hold the annual Labor Day picnic in Riverside Park, but if you are looking for some labor-related activity on your Labor Day, your best bet is to check out the events page on the Canadian Labor Congress's website at canadianlabor.ca. And that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. You can follow the Guelph Politico social media feeds at Guelph Politico on Twitter and Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can even follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out GuelphPolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of this podcast for you next week, and until then, see you next time.